0: Welcome, everybody, to a very special two-man edition of the NerdWatch for this week, September... Third week, is it? Um, I think it's... No, second week. Second week of September 2015. I am joined by a special guest, nay, one of the founders of NerdWatch, and special guest. The one and only, if you can believe it, I don't have Gannon or Format with me tonight... Uh, I'll let you know what happened yesterday in a moment, but let me introduce to you the one, the only, the man, the movie critic himself, the professor of cinema, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Barry. Yay! Yay. Professor Barry's in the house. Thank professor you. Barry. Thank you. How are you, sir? Doing good. How have you been? Great. Just busy. We, we um, uh, we, we miss you on the show. Thank you. I miss you guys, too. We, we, we miss having you on the show. We miss your, uh, interactions. We miss having your input. Um... And we certainly miss having uh having discussions about movies and things of that nature and the uh and I guess you could call it the inner workings of messages in the films and things like that. So we missed it we definitely miss that for sure. Thank you. What we do uh here's one thing that we do enjoy, the fact that you're not there. We we started a great game called What Would Barry Rate It? So every time and you're a stickler, I, listen, there's no there's no other way you around the it. the backhand
1: and compliments you're, come. Right, right. You're,
0: you're, a, uh, you're, you're a star stickler. I'm tough. You're I'm a tough, tough guy. I'm a tough critic. So we play a game where we watch a movie and then we assume, we make an assumption of what Barry would rate the movie. Um, if I can give you a little... Uh, a little taste. Oh, please. Taste. Please, yes. We, uh, uh, first off... Um, we did The Visit this past week. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, because of a programming error, that great show that we did the, on yesterday, unfortunately, that great show has will not see the light of day. We had a, uh, a software problem, and it was an amazing show. But on that show, we played What Would Barry Rate It with The Visit. Okay? Um, can I tell you right now that we've done this several times, and nothing – from Barry's uh, – uh, Barry's film – or uh, the films that he's criti- uh, done critiques on, nothing from our guesses has gone over two and a half stars. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely So basically not. you guys assume that I don't like anything. Right. Really. <laughs> nothing has gone over two and a half nothing stars. Nothing makes me happy. Yeah, it's just – right. Nothing makes this guy <laughs> happy. Um, so we did it with The Visit and um, – Professor, uh, Professor Barry watched it. Uh, we did a little impromptu uh, nerd watch date, I called it yesterday, when we did the show that you will never hear. Um, <laughs> we did an impromptu nerd watch date, and we watched The Visit together. Mm-hmm. Um, Gannon also saw that film. And uh, ironically enough, both of them, both format and Gannon, guessed that you gave The Visit two and a half stars. Mm. Uh, obviously, from what I said earlier. But they were so surprised that Professor Barry would give The Visit a three-star review that they nearly had heart attacks.
1: Heart attacks. <laughs> it's on a string.
0: But uh, listen, we will get into more of your critique of The Visit because I want to talk to you about it because you and I saw it together. Yeah. Um, uh, and will uh, you can justify your three-star review. Um, but first, I, I, apparently you have... Some interesting announcements to make because you've been gone for a while, uh, do, you know, working and doing what you got to do. So what's happening, sir? What's going on in, in the Professor Barry's world?
1: Well, in addition to, to all the fun little things I'm doing and, you know, and the real work I'm doing, um, as you know and as listeners know, in February I started the Hawaii Film Critics Society. Yes, sir. Um, this is something I'd always wanted to see, even as a kid living out here. I always wondered why does Hawaii not have its own Film Critics Society? Why does L.A. and New York and everywhere else, but there's not one in Hawaii um, so in february after after a bit of <laughs> after a bit of doing to get it started, we sure. finally got it going um it's been you know it's been a 's been a quiet start because you know most film critic societies people don't even know that they're there until the award season happens well we 're getting towards award seasons things are beginning to crackle and one of the things that made me so excited about coming on the show tonight mm-hmm. was I, I have a big announcement of two new critics who are a part of the Hawaii Film Critic Society. Pray tell who would these uh Two rather stuffy men be, or
0: women. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the first, the first guy, uh, I know he's one of these guys, a writer like myself, who walks around with a pad and pen wherever he goes. He's right. a consistent writer. He's working on his first novel. Yes. And a uh, very talented, gifted, uh, really a natural film critic, if you will. guy who has a lot of passion as well as a just real strong... Uh, skills as a writer, he uh, goes by the name of Format, but his oh. name is Jason David.
0: Well, congratulations, Mr. Format, Mr. Jason David, for uh, making the cut to the Hawaii Film Critics Society. Uh, bravo, good for him. And uh, pray tell, who uh, who uh,
1: also made the
0: the list? You said there were
1: two. There were two. The other gentleman I've known for nine years now. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's a long time. Uh, it's a long time, and he's uh, had a whole a real versatile. Uh, uh, career, doing all sorts of different things on the island of Maui, but sure. also a gifted writer, a really strong writer, a very opinionated mm-hmm. writer, mm-hmm. a passionate writer, and a true aficionado, and a real uh, real friend to film. Mm-hmm. This is a gentleman who I've said a number number of times over the years, if I needed a substitute teacher for the film classes I taught at the university level, this is a guy who I would love to have stand in for wow. me. Wow! The gentleman is none other than a guy who goes by the name of E Z D, but he is officially recognized by the Hawaii Film Critics Society by his given name, which is Gregory Turner. Wait, wait, wait.
0: AZD, are you sure?
1: Oh, I mean G-Money. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, cause I can't I, believe I did that. Okay, Sorry. That's, that's
0: completely fine. I just completely uh,
1: blew my speech. I'll cut it out. <laughs> do you want me to do that again?
0: Uh, take two. One more time. <laughs> Let me cut that piece out. And then... Uh let's do I'm that so intro sorry. one more time all right just, just, just let, let's i'm gonna act surprised you want to hear it all over yeah, again i want to act surprised fine, and fine. i had i had a follow-up that's why so okay. let's do not the whole thing let, let's from. start from uh uh the the part where you said that the guy would be taking over your classes Ah, okay Go. so
1: so uh take two this is a guy who I've said a number of times over the years, if I ever needed somebody to be a substitute teacher for me to fill in on my film classes, this yes. is the guy because he loves film as much as I do. Uh, the gentleman goes mm-hmm. by the name on this show as G-Money, mm-hmm. but his given name is Greg Turner, and wow. that is the name being recognized by the Hawaii Film Critics Society as its newest member. That G-Money guy's a douche. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've met him, but
0: he's a total douche. Bad um, Bad choice. Absolutely bad choice for the Critics society. Sorry, it's, the, downhaul- downfall <laughs> it's the downfall. Now it's the downfall. It's The beginning of the end for us. To be quite honest, um, uh, I am very humbled to be a part of this, uh, Barry. It's um, it's something I never thought I would do. Um, uh, I don't, I'm not sure about format, but this is something. Writing was never something that I ever thought would be an avenue for me to partake in. Matter of fact, when I was younger, I always thought that writing was. I never got anything out of it Uh, until I started writing about movies. I, uh, when you, when you forced me to write (laughs) (laughs) movies, I never, there's something, there's something freeing about it. It's really weird. Like I never, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't think orator is the right word. That's, 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 that's speaking. Uh, I, I don't think I put my thoughts well on the page but I think that now I get better every time I do a review. yeah. Uh, and I really enjoy it, and I'm humbled by the fact that you guys would even remotely think of me uh, uh, to, be a, to be a part of the Hawaii Film Critics Society. And it's nice to be a part of your childhood dream. Which is very cool. Wonderful, because
1: yeah. uh, honestly, like th- that was that was one of the things about this that fills me with such pride and joy that you guys are in. This is not nepotism. You guys did the work. You, it was a, it was a vote by the other members of. of could the you tell uh, Could you tell the
0: people that the votes that were cast were not for people that didn't know us?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are guys you've never met. In fact, one of them I've never met. Uh, Myung right. Choi, who writes for Frolic Hawaii on Oahu. Uh, uh, excuse me Rick Chattanever who is a friend of mine he lives here on Maui he has been a, a writer of film and local events uh, for the Maui News for decades now and then uh, arguably I, I think the gentleman who is probably the most let's just say the most famous because he, uh, he's the he's the televised film critic for Hawaii News Now and that's Terry Hunter mm. um, I gave them examples of your work we took a vote and uh, yeah they, they, they agreed with me that you guys got the stuff so you're in fantastic um
0: uh, I'll look for this Terry Hunter guy. I, I, uh, I don't watch local news that often, so it's, uh, I've heard the name. So, I mean, I don't—I I don't mean to disparage Mr. Hunter
1: by any stretch. <laughs> well, he likes uh, you.
0: Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I and I will like him in return. I'll uh, I'll do what Donald Trump does. Uh, if you like me, I will like you. And now we're quoting Donald, now Trump. Now we're quoting Donald this Trump. Trump. This really is the downfall is of the, the Hawaii Film Critics American Society. society. Um, so now, uh, with that in mind, um, it's nice to have a, a critic society that. Um, for let me let me take that back. Why don't you explain why a film critic society is important to the island?
1: Well, it represents you know in in a way it represents the voice of the film critics out here. Hawaii used to have so many more film critics, and over the years, you know, so many magazines and newspapers have folded. Um, you know, a lot of the reviews that you read in a lot of I won't name them, but like local papers and local magazines, the Associated Press, good film critics, but film critics from the mainland. There are so many film critics out here, and Hawaii is such a film-rich society. People love film out here. People love to make film out here. People are passionate about film. We've got some of the best film festivals in the world out here, and yet there's never been a film critic society, which I find outrageous because this is a perfect place for that. So in this sense... Um, you know with 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 uh, with the members of the film critic society voting, and hopefully obviously I want this this society to grow bigger over time absolutely obviously, but at this very start it 's like you guys are we 're a microcosm of uh, of the film committee out here you know of or rather the film community out here i mean so, you know, we'll be voting on our, our pick for the best picture of 2015, best director, best actor, all that. Even even we'll, um, we'll also have a category, best special effects, worst picture of 2015. It's going to be fun and we'll vote on it and obviously, you know, it's, it's not a matter of we don't sit in a table and yell at each other. It's simply just unanimous votes and I tally them up and I'll publish them and share them with everybody. I do enjoy the sitting around the table and
0: yelling at each other though. yes I, 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 there's something we, we about, can do that too there's something about confrontation <laughs> that I kind of enjoy, especially when it comes to debate um but um it's amazing to me that you're you're absolutely right. The fact that Hawaii never had a Hawaii Film Critics Critic Society is absolutely outrageous, number yeah. one. Number two, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, according to you, we officially now have more members in our Hawaii, Hawaii Film Critics Society than the one in England. Is that not correct? I haven't
1: checked the numbers, but there was one in Canada and one in England. I won't say which one. And they've they, been around a lot longer. A lot longer and more esteemed because of the name of those, of those particular towns and cities, which I won't say. But yes, they uh, they had less members than we do. One had three and another had two and again, I'm not going to say what they are because that that wouldn't be nice. Sure. But, but yeah, considerably less than us. So so I don't feel even remotely ashamed of the fact that there's currently six of us, and that's fine. We'll we'll grow.
0: Amazing. We'll we'll absolutely grow. And I think this is a, uh, I think once once the Hawaii Film Critic Society is starts to get established and we bring out our start our picks, I think we'll be more recognized, which would be a lot of a lot of fun. Yes. You know, I listen. I'm not going to lie. I'd like to see uh, the logo of the Hawaii Film Critic Society on a movie. That'd be awesome. <laughs>
1: just saying oh yeah, yeah well one of the things uh, one of the things I love too is that we have one of the categories that I, I made sure that will be recognized and I just got it approved today but I said yes they will definitely want this to be on the press release when we release our picks of the year sure best Hawaii film sure A way to recognize Hawaii film, filmmakers and Hawaii writers Hawaii directors I mean this is this is not only a way to you know to spread our love for film, but also for the film community out here. Well, I am uh, deeply humbled, uh, and I uh, I think this is so you accept amazing... the position. Uh, uh,
0: not only do I accept it, uh, I also want to know how much it pays. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You can just give me a number. I'll totally just just throw okay. something. <laughs> it looks like this. It's the, it looks like the letter O. Oh, no. oh okay. I got you. Imagine no. that as a number. <laughs> okay, so I, I do this. I do this because of, for love of film. That's what I do it for. To be honest, in all in all honesty, I, I jest. But Hawaii Film Critics Society is uh, is going to be uh, a big thing coming uh, coming up very shortly. Every single town, city, or, or state. Even Country has their own uh, film critic society. More or less, yeah. So uh, it's, it's nice to know that Hawaii will finally be recognized. And it gives us an opportunity to share our love for film uh, to uh, other, other countries, other states. It would be amazing.
1: I would love – I mean this is just hypothetical. But I would love for us to like – our pick for the best picture there would be something so outrageous. Like everyone else is like – Whatever, all over, like, the new Todd Haynes movie. We're like, best picture of the year, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Right. That'd be so great. (laughs) Who are
0: these guys? (laughs) That'd be fantastic. Well, listen, uh, once again, Barry, I really appreciate it. And uh, whatever I can do to help uh, promote the Hawaii Film Critics Society, uh, I can't wait to get my ugly mug up on that... uh up on that hey, website, man, we're, we're excited to get your mug oh, up there. Handsome, yeah, Fantastic. Man. Well, listen, uh, 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 that any other big news you got?
1: I have right? a story I want to share with you. And it's sure. got An appropriately Shyamalan like twist. Oh, stop it! It's not. It's not Shyamalan twisty enough. But it's a good. It, it would have been one of his better twists. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, and this involves uh, this show directly, but I promise I am going somewhere with this brief story. Uh, by the way, before yes. you just uh, let me interject, uh, if you th- if you're wondering why.
0: The the show sounds a little strange uh, today. It's because we're doing it in another location uh, that is basically not the location we normally do it in. We did the show yesterday at Maui Comics and Collectibles. Unfortunately, that didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Uh, just to let you know, that was one of the best shows ever, and you'll never hear it. Yet I'll say it again. Uh, but we're uh, we're at an undisclosed location um, that let's say it's a fixer upper, um, <laughs> a bomb shelter. <show> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Uh, So if it does sound a little different, don't worry. We'll be back to normal next week, Tuesday, for sure. But uh, I'm glad uh, to have Professor Barry in tow tonight. So... Anyway, Professor
1: Barry, please uh, go along with your story. Yeah. Well, a few weeks ago, I saw Evita at the castle. You know, David C. Johnson directed this big... Is
0: that the, is that the could be the one with uh, Amy Hanayali? That was the one, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. It's, yeah, gotcha. it's come and
1: gone. It was only there for two weeks, which is... It should have been t- for two months. If a, I may, how was she? It was amazing. Even better than she was back in 1992 the first time she did it. She really? was terrific. Yeah, it was an amazing performance. She's better than Madonna? Ah, uh, you know, very different, completely different interpretation, really? Really? and uh, probably closer to Patty LePone on Broadway.
0: Actually, interesting. Yeah, Patty LePone. She's uh, she hasn't been uh, she hasn't been liking the audiences in Broadway much lately. She's taking phones away. And <laughs> did you hear about that? Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> she doesn't put up with she doesn't put up with a bad audience. She likes a good crowd. But anyway, so you went to Evita. So
1: saw Evita, and uh, the lights come up, and it's uh, it's intermission and I'm in a seat I'm in a good seat but I'm in a it's in a really awkward place where it's like a, it's hard to get up and walk around because there's other people around right. anyway I noticed that in the row in front of me to the far right and I hope he doesn't mind me dropping his name in the show though I know he's a fan um, Reuben Carrion you know Reuben? I, I, I do not that's okay um, you might recognize when you saw him Ruben is a very he's a very talented actor I've known him for years um, or I had known him for years he's one of these guys who I did a lot of theater with 20 years ago with Sue Loudon at the Baldwin Theater Guild he's an extremely talented guy he's did everything from Shakespeare and musicals a few years ago there was a there was this thing at the EL Theater they did a like a reenactment of Pulp Fiction and he played the uh, the Samuel L. Jackson role Ruben's one of these guys who could play anything he's a great local actor and I hadn't seen him in 20 years so he's sitting in front of me but to the far left and I want to get over there and talk to him. I turn to Julie. I'm like, Jules, that's, that's Ruben. Like we were in The Sound of Music 20 years ago. So like I want to get over to talk to him but it's a little awkward because there's people around and I'm trying to like – I want to like get over there but I don't want to you know be like a menace. So I end up trying to like plastic man myself like across the aisle and like reach out my hand to to, to catch his attention and I managed to go over to him for a second. I'm like, Ruben, hey, at the very worst, I, I just saw you in the Addams Family. You're great. Do you remember me? And I think somebody moved behind me or something. So I immediately go back to my seat. And that's the end of the conversation. And Julia turns to me. She's like, that was really awkward. I'm like, I know. I can't believe I blew it. Like, I hadn't seen the guy in 20 years. Now he's not going to want to talk to me. So I'm feeling really embarrassed. Like, ugh. Like, I'll, I'll see if I could like, send him an email later or something. That was so stupid. He finds a way. A few minutes pass, and he comes up to me now. He actually makes his way down the aisle. He's sitting directly in front of me. He holds up his phone and on the phone is the Nerdwatch logo and he goes <laughs> and he goes I'm a fan of your show I've been listening to your show for a while I, I'm a fan of you and Format and G Money and Alika I'm a, I've been listening to all your shows and he's asking me questions about the show like he's like whatever happened to Collector J I'm like oh well, he's still doing stuff on my watch he's like what happened to you you haven't been on the show for a few weeks I said yeah you know, I've been busy with work and he's like you know the guys they got this game they play when you're not there <laughs> He's like they didn't think you'd like straight out of content. It was the coolest thing. Awesome. And then and then like uh, sure enough the lights started dim and he immediately went back to his seat. And I gave him a little wave and a smile. So anyway, all that to say, the pl- the musical Evita was magnificent. But bubbing in to that night, it totally made my night. So Ruben if you're listening, thank you so much. That was very humbling. Thank you. I'm so glad you remembered who I am, and I'm glad you're a fan of the midwatch That's <laughs> I, awesome. I, I think it's amazing,
0: Ruben Thank you so much for listening. We certainly do appreciate it. Uh, your support is definitely needed. Needed. Uh, uh, please uh, tell a friend. Tell your neighbors. Uh, tell them we're uh, we try to be uh, uh, we try to be fun show to listen with the you know to listen with the youngsters about movies and games and all of this stuff. So Ruben, uh, we certainly appreciate your uh, uh, your listening to the Nerd Watch. I really appreciate that. That's awesome. Yep. That's very cool. Yeah. Hey, it holds up with the logo and everything. Yeah, it's I was crazy. like, I was
1: stunned. I'm like, oh my god, you know who I am? and you listen to this show. Hey, that's so great. No, that's that's
0: insane. so cool. Well, that's awesome. So speaking of shows, um, uh, Ruben. Uh, if he is a fan, maybe, just maybe, uh, he can, uh, he's more than happy, we'd be more than happy to have him, uh, comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the nerdwatch. If you see a movie, post it, let us know about it. We want to know, Ruben, let us know, please, by all means. But, we watched the movie, you and I, sir. We did. You and I. Opening uh, night. Opening night, we watched the M. Night Shyamalan film, The Visit. Uh, we haven't heard hide nor hair from M. Night, in I would say, is it since the happening, or did he do something after the it happening? Was, uh, after Earth, after Earth, the, that's William, right. the Will Smith debacle, the Will Smith thing. That that wasn't even his original story, was it? They apparently they're they're credited as writing it together.
1: Oh, okay. So they, they both were. like worked on the story.
0: All right. So we decide to go into the visit. Now um, we already gave away the lead. We already gave away the the farm when we said that you're going to rate it three stars. They right. don't know my, my my review yet, but. Um, let's talk a little bit about why you think
1: that The Visit deserves a three-star review from Professor Barry. I think, bottom line, it's an effective horror movie. I found it really frightening. Um, Initially, I wasn't sure how the movie would go out. Um, We talked about it in the lobby afterwards, how Shyamalan has made a series of thrillers that didn't work because most of them... Or unintentionally campy or unintentionally hilarious right. in the case of the happenings. Disasters because they become these unintentional comedies. And it seemed for this film he was anticipating people would kinda of snicker at how ridiculous the premise is. Right. So he brought in a lot of comic relief. There are a lot of one liners, there's a lot of there's a lot of comic undertones throughout the movie. And the whole movie plays almost like a black comedy if you want to look at it that sure, way. Sure, no, you're like right. Like a darkly humored comedy. And I think, for the most part, it works in that respect because, as we noted, there's a, there's some scenes in this movie that are really quite frightening, and the fact that there's like one liners to undercut the tension, I thought, it really helped. But bottom line is, this movie really goes for the throat. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really violent film for a PG-13 movie. Yeah. Once the twist is out in the open, and I found it to be a really scary twist, and one that the more I think about it, I think that's that's some really scary stuff. That's really clever. It seems like like Shyamalan is really going like it's almost like he's trying to make up for the fact that his last few movies did not deliver, and he's just trying to strangle his audiences with this movie. It's, a, right. I think, a really aggressively scary movie. There were a number of scenes where the audience members were screaming audibly, and, and in some cases you go, okay, like it's probably a little too young to see a movie like this. Of course they're going to scream. Yeah. Even I was jumping. I mean, this is a really scary movie. and It's, it's quite effective. I enjoyed the atmosphere of it. Uh, the lead actress, Deanna, Do- uh, Deanna, I believe it's Deanna... Dunnigan, Dunnigan. again, Deanna Donegan. Thank you. Yeah, uh, she's a Tony Award-winning actress. This is her first big film role um, as the grandmother. I thought she was sensational. Gives, and, gives a right. genuinely scary performance. And
0: Peter McRobbie was the grandfather.
1: Yes, and he's a character actor who's been in so many movies. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did a nice job. Really underplayed it. Didn't really go like as aggressively as she does. But she, like, I think she'll be like one of these actresses whose name will pop up when we talk about like, like, uh, kind of the the female equivalent of like Robert Englund. I think she'll be like one of these actresses I think will probably pop up at horror conventions and people will line up by the droves to get her autographs. Sure. This, this is one of those kind of performances. Right. And the movie's scary. As a found footage movie, I think it works. It presents its, uh, itself to be from the point of view of the granddaughter who wants to capture her weekend with her with her grandparents who she'd never met before. I think, uh, I think it works. There's, there's almost no music in the film, which is smart because a lot of these found footage horror movies, they have soundtracks, which doesn't make any sense at all. Correct. It plays by that rule. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I thought it, it seemed like Shyamalan had studied movies like Paranormal Activity and, you know, and all the ilk, everything from that stupid NASA movie a few years ago, was it, Apollo 18? Yeah. yeah. Like, it feels like he studied those movies and really understood what works. I mean, there's a, not to spoil it, uh, but they're uh, just a visual. There's a scene in the movie where, <laughs> where the grandmother, for reasons that are actually very compelling, looks directly in the camera and just starts to scream her full head off. It's terrifying, and he understands that's one of the things that's so frightening about the found footage horror film. It's like you're in a haunted house, and things are all of a sudden just kind of sprung at you. Um, It's not his best movie. Uh, I could have done without the little kid rapping. In fact, I didn't really like the kids. I, I, I rooted for them by default, but I didn't necessarily like them. But I think yeah, not everything in the movie works. But, uh, no, I, I think its premise works. Um, I found it frightening. And I think, bottom line, it's a horror movie that's actually really frightening. And it's PG-13. Yeah, yeah. Gannon said something interesting on the show that you'll never hear again.
0: Um, <laughs> Gannon said something very interesting uh, yesterday evening when we did the pod that you'll never hear. Um, that He said that that kid was borderline for him. It was, uh, it was, he was good enough where he could have fallen over to annoyance. But he wasn't annoyed by him. I, on the other hand, kind of felt a little opposite because by the time the fourth or fifth rap kicked in, I was kind of done with the whole thing. Um, I think that. Uh, um, I don't know how to.
1: First off, before I get into my thing, you are solid at three stars for this film. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I mean, it's. You know, I'd say, like, if it was a letter grade, C, it's, it's a B. It's not a B, plus. it's not an A-. Minus. I think that's. I would reserve that for The Sixth Sense or Unbreakable sure. or The Village. Um, I think Unbreakable is widely underrated. Like it, no one talks about that in this canon. It's always six Sense, six Sense, six Sense. Right. And six Sense the it. I mean Sixth Sense is a f- – it's, it's, people forget how scary the Sixth oh, Sense it is. Oh, it is. It's frightening. It's, it is a frightening movie and the two lead performances, Bruce Willis and one of his best and Haley Joel Osment, one of the great child performances. And there's a number of scenes in that movie that are just perfect. I mean it really is one of the best films of its year. Um, but I agree with you. Unbreakable took even more risks. Yeah. Unbreakable is, I mean, it's it's a strange film. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it was released at Thanksgiving and nobody knew what the film was until the day it opened. And, you know, it's the movie that gave us heroes. It's the movie that gave us, you know, kick ass and all these... You know, post It was comic a comic, comic book movies. movie before a comic book movie was a comic book movie, and it and it gave us a comic book movie that applies... On one hand, it, mm-hmm. it, it it follows all the rules of what we want for those films, but yeah. also it gives us something so distinctly different and yeah. strange yeah. and thoughtful. It's like all the comic book movies with all the action removed, but all of the heart intact. Yeah. Um. I uh, getting moving on to
0: the visits for me. It's uh, an amazing. It's an amazing thing that I would actually go to a premiere of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I never thought I'd do that ever. After, uh, after the happening, he screwed me. <laughs> so I, I even forgave him for The Village. Even forgave him for You're The Village. not a fan of The Village. I, I, well, here's the thing. I was a fan of the village up until we found out the twist. What I think would have been interesting is that if they had played it a little more humorously, I think the twist would have been a lot more fun. Mm. But, of course, that wasn't the intent of the film.
1: Yeah. But anyway, here's my here's my take. And um, We haven't uh, mentioned Lady in the Water. Should we talk about Lady in the Water uh, for no, a second? No, let's don't. I was trying to forget that okay. film. Yeah. So, so for you, that was like no uh, more.
0: That was, yeah. I, was, okay. I, I could not handle that film after that. I mean, Paul Giamatti was great in it. Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard, I could take or leave it in that role I thought
1: eh. you like her as the Narf. oh good <laughs> lord anyway uh, I will
0: say this if I can say something about Ni Night Shyamalan's filmography I'm actually a guy who kind of enjoyed The Last Airbender
1: hmm
0: or uh oh yeah. yeah I know a lot of people are going to give me a lot of hate yeah for that. yeah that would be interesting but I know. enjoyed The Last people Airbender uh, I'm sorry um Tell me why. I'm going to have to watch it again, I guess, but I actually enjoyed The Last Airbender. That's okay. Um, that's all right. I'll let the Hawaii Film Critics yeah. Society know. <laughs> yeah, let them know. See if they pull my membership immediately. Like, uh, oh, oh. Oh, he liked that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. oh never, never mind, never, never mind. mind, never mind. <laughs> we don't want him. Uh, it just totally redefines my douchiness for liking that film.
1: Um, <laughs> no, that's cool. You're the guy. You're yeah, the guy who, I, liked, the guy who okay. liked the movie. That's alright That's cool. <laughs>
0: Moving on to his his version, or I shouldn't say his version, his vision. Excuse me, his vision of the visit. Um, it was a film for me that uh, I I get to be the curmudgeonly critic this time around. I was not as enthralled by it as you were. Um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, once again, uh, I'm going to keep reiterating. I said this on yesterday's podcast that you'll never hear um, because of the pro- audio programming issue. Um, I said that it was a film that had good ideas. Uh, I saw the twist telegraphed. um, I saw the twist telegraphed the moment they decided to drive up uh, uh, – or excuse me, the moment they decided in the film where they weren't going to the hospital anymore to do counseling. Okay. I, I I already knew. I that that for me was the was the beacon that was like okay. I, I obviously know what's going on. It didn't ruin the film for me at all because it's like okay I know no big deal. Um, I'm not going to reveal what it is, but um, uh, I really was compelled in the very beginning of how the 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 daughter of Catherine Hahn, who is, she's affectionately referred to just as mom, right. pretty much. Um, she wants to not only give her mother a break because of she knows what she's gone through, but she's also wanted to give her a break because she's found a new love and she wanted to give them time. But more importantly, uh, she wanted to – she wanted to, I guess, investigate the mystery of why – her mother, and her parents never reconciled their issue. Because we never know. We never know in the beginning what the issue was. We never know any of that stuff. But she wants to solve the mystery, and she wants to... It's almost as if she wants to put the family back together, in a sense. But in some respects, she's just a filmmaker, and she wants to film this. So with every every interview, we slowly get to know a little more about the grandparents. We slowly get to know about these things. I think the thing that, that really... And I mentioned this to you um after we watched it i think what really put me off on the film was the easy explanation of well grandma's not feeling well she's getting older she has sundowners or grandpa's not doing well because he poops his pants kind of thing i was like well you know and it felt crass like it was like being elderly was almost a joke it was almost a joke and it was it almost felt like i said this in my review it's like well, we don't understand it as kids, but you know what? It seems odd, so let's just film it. You know, that that kind of yeah. felt a little crass to me, and I didn't appreciate that. It didn't take away too much of the joy of the film for me. Um, I thought that there was genuinely funny parts. I thought there was genuinely frightening parts in the film for sure. I never jump at films. Uh, I think I've told this before. I'm always a guy that if I'm frightened, I'll, I'll crack a smile. And in this film, I did once or twice and thought it was very, it was very uh, effectively done. Uh, I just thought – I just thought that it just felt as if there was not enough – it almost felt to me like – and I'm taking this completely the wrong way. It felt like – maybe because I'm getting older. It felt like a commentary on the elderly and I felt like – I felt a little uncomfortable with it. And maybe maybe that was the point. Um,
1: but I don't think just, you take it the wrong way at all? No, I, I think you're onto something here. This, yeah, this is a film that exploits the prob- real problems that, right. that elderly people go through. Right, right. And like right. I said,
0: and maybe and maybe you know, I this is coming from the guy that loves exploitation films. Uh, hello, I'm the guy that loves those things. I like that stuff. But for this, it felt a little crass for me. They could have gone deeper. They could have, you know, they could have gone into the psyche of. What would like to have Sundowners? But I know that wasn't this kind of movie. We had 90 minutes. That's right. what we had. So um, overall, for me, I would say ultimately, I would give it two and a half stars um, just because of that. It was an enjoyable film. I thought the kids bo- – I thought that the brother borderlined on annoyance. But I think what made it up for me was the one part of the film where he reenacts being his grandmother. Oh, yeah. um, Which I thought was totally crass but totally funny. It's a great visual. It's a great visual. And it really worked for me and I laughed. I I laughed pretty pretty hard. So if you're looking to get scared or if you're looking to never ever have to visit your grandparents again – Watch The Visit. Matter of fact, in my review that I wrote, I put down that either A, he's just making a a scary movie, or he's working on his demons and not being hugged enough by his grandparents. I don't know. It could be either one. Um, But um, I will say this. This does put him in a very good position in Hollywood because it didn't cost him very much to make it. And number two, it made money. Yes. So uh,
1: this could be a resurgence for M. Night. I hope so. He's talented. He's, he's got filmmaking goods. He's a smart filmmaker. The material's got to be good. He's also one of these guys who he kind of needs somebody over their shoulder going, that doesn't necessarily work or that really works. And it feels like in this case... He had, you know, the support of the Bloomhouse studio, right, the guys right. who did Insidious and, and Sinister, you know, looking over his shoulder, saying, Okay, this is this fits within our framework. We like low budget films in which right. the horror is kind of, you know, more to the bone as opposed to CGI enhanced right, right. So I think sometimes sometimes filmmakers work really well within within a very I don't want to say limited range, but I think he works well when it, it almost works like a stage play or you know like they use the metaphor of like a toy chest you have a toy chest you've got a very specific set of toys you can create a really wonderful toy village or if you have too big a toy chest there's just pieces everywhere and they don't all connect right. and I feel like his worst films there's just too many toys on the floor These, it's, just a, it's just a mess right. but I feel like his best films they're almost like chamber pieces like The, like the Sixth Sense it's really about two people really right, right. and then Unbreakable <laughs> is really about three people or four people with a right. little boy um, and I feel like that's something to consider as opposed to some of these bigger films. did especially something like like After Earth where it's about two people and the two characters don't really work. And why are you putting one of the most charismatic actors on the planet in a role where he basically is sitting down and stuck to a spaceship for the whole film? Now here's an interesting thing um, and
0: not to, not to veer off too far from this but Bruce Willis uh, was in his first two films. Yeah. Bruce Willis is actually famous in Hollywood for being kind of an actor that's over the shoulder and says, you know, this isn't going to work. We should cut this. We should get rid of this. And he comes off, sometimes he comes off uh, very much uh, like someone you wouldn't want to work with. Maybe those two films were successful because Bruce Willis had a hand in possibly um, tailoring the script for M. Night, which is possible, I guess. And maybe he needs that. that. Maybe he needed that kind of tailoring, not necessarily from Bruce Willis for sure, but Bruce Willis is famous for doing that. Is it possible that Bruce Willis's uh, intervention could have made that film, a, a, those two films, success?
1: That's a great question. It's, it's hard to say because Willis—he's like—he's always been one of my favorite actors because of the versatility of his choices. Like, yeah. the direct, I mean, this guy's worked with everybody from like Terry Gilliam and Alan Rudolph. And but like apparently, people. not one of the greatest human beings alive. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I can't obviously vouch for his character. I'm a huge fan of him, so I—I I, I am too. Know. But but I, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, on the one hand, here's the weird thing, like. He ended up doing The Sixth Sense because... The the story is he did this film for Disney called Broadway Baller, a boxing film, a period boxing piece, and in the middle of shooting, it was going to be directed, I believe, by Rowdy Harrington, I believe. Really? I I believe that's the director. Because he did the the movie with Rowdy Harrington, uh, Striking Distance? Striking Distance, yeah. Yeah. And I may not have that completely right. I think it was Harrington. But in any case, he was doing this movie. It didn't work out. He and the director came to verbal verbal blows, not physical blows, and the production shut down. And and this is a famous thing that happened in 98. Disney said, okay... We'll let you walk away from Broadway ball, Baller, but you owe us three movies. One of the films he did was Armageddon, which was one of the biggest hits of its year. And then he did The Kid, which was successful. And then he did this little film, The Sixth Sense. Now, on The Sixth Sense, he's working with this guy, Shyamalan, who came off of this flop called Wide Awake, which nobody saw. The one like, Rosie O'Donnell yes, about a so total flop. The yeah. Miramax buried the film. So, like, Shyamalan had no power. All he had was this screenplay that everybody loved. And... Who's to say? Like on the one hand, Willis could have completely just like thrown his weight around, but you look at that film; it's like there's a real to use the word symbiosis between the director and the actors. It it feels like it feels like everybody was on the same team with that film because right. the tone and the mood of it is so specific, and it's such a quiet. And perfectly paced and narratively structured film. It's like it's like a. It really is a perfect film. Right, it is. And, right. and you know, and if Willis had jumped in there, being like, "Well, you know, this, this, this." No, I mean, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like when he loves the material and the guy who's directing at, at the helms, it feels like it's the perfect thing for him. But when you know, if the director doesn't show confidence, it feels like that's when he'll swoop in. Right. Just from the things I've read about films, for sure. where like people have said, like, "Well, he was hard to work with." Well. Maybe that director didn't really have the kind of confidence you need you know, to keep... For up someone this. like Bruce. A guy from New Jersey, used to be a bartender, now became the biggest movie star in the world, and right. knows, knows that he can deliver when he's given the opportunity. To so speaking of a f- filmmakers, getting back to M. Night,
0: yep. do you think... Do you think that he's learned from his mistakes? Do you think that the next film we're going to
1: get is something unabashedly M. Night? Or are we going to see the new M. Night? I love M. Night, but I don't want to pretend like he's learned from his mistakes. And I'm assuming this because I read the book, um, The Man Who Heard Voices, which is about the making of Lady in the Water. It's a great book. And what I'm assuming is that he's always been one of these guys who have stuck to his guns no matter what. And right. he always he always makes these these decisions for his films no matter what people are saying. Um, so his films are distinctly his. I mean, I, I, I kind of suspect, and this is there's nothing wrong with this, but I kind of suspect if you were to ask him about the happening, he would probably tell you, I, I think it's a great film. I worked really hard on it. I don't think he is aware that he has flops. I think he has these movies that he's aware of that aren't really well received, and he's right. probably pleased as punch that for once he's doing a movie that the critics like, that audiences like, that people are seeing. So I don't know. I. I I'm guessing that he's one of these these filmmakers and he should have the confidence to say like I stand behind my work you know but uh I don't know if he's necessarily learned his lesson because well, you remember the kid rapping in The Visit. Like Those moments remind me of all those weird scenes, the really out of place moments in Lady in the Water where you have the guy who's working out just one part of his body. It was like this this guy at the hotel, the the, the uh, motel where, uh, where Paul Giamatti works and you get this guy who's like literally working out one side of his body. It's like this really like odd bit of humor. Oh, that, I remember that. The movie they needed, it was totally out of place. It's like, why is that there? That, that doesn't like, add color or flavor. It's just this weird touch that just feels like they should have—they really should have cut that out. See with the kid rapping. It's like th- those moments in the visit felt like, okay, this is him being a little, little self-indulgent. It doesn't ruin the movie, but the movie would have been so much stronger without without right. those stupid interludes. So uh, hopefully, his arrogance will not derail his next film. Uh, arrogance, or uh, what is it? I mean, it's just. Um, His his inability to... to, I mean, you know, it's kind of like George Lucas saying, like, you know, I find Jar Jar Binks funny. And you go... Okay, well that i 'm glad you find Jar, Jar Banks funny, but maybe you should consider that not everybody else does, and right. this character doesn 't really serve the movie as well as you think he does. sometimes right. I, I just feel like th- there's certain directors sometimes <laughs> there 's stuff that holds them back because they 're not able to you know use the expression "see the forest of the trees, or in this case, to note that a little boy rapping isn 't really what this otherwise frightening horror movie needs right so with
0: that with that in mind we 're looking forward to a hopefully new renewed Uh, M. Night for his next
1: film I hope so like I heard he's going to go back and write his very uh, direct his very first screenplay that he ever wrote and he's going to have Bruce Willis star in it and I don't know what the genre is just that it's a love story
0: wow All right. well The Visit
1: uh, two and a half stars for me three stars for Barry Um, is it worth watching in the theater I think so certainly from the experience that we had if you love Mm -hmm. horror films like I do I think you need to see them with with as packed an audience as you can especially when they're uh when they're teenagers and they're very afraid so yeah perfect perfect well listen you're here okay switching gears now
0: uh since you're here we did a top five bottom two movies of the summer um do you have a top five movies uh, do you have the top five movies of the summer on your list and the bottom two sure sure all right so uh why don't we do that right now why don't you give us your top five movies of the summer
1: Okay. Uh, very top is Mad Max Fury Road. I, I think it's one of the best films of the year. And at this moment, it's probably my pick for best picture of the year. That, that could always change. But right now, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a terrific film. It's, yep. it's down, it's dirty, it's huge, and strangely personal at the same time. I never thought I'd see a movie like that. Certainly not in the summertime, certainly not a sequel to something that came out 30 years prior. Perfect film. Uh, Love and Mercy, the Brian Wilson story. Also, I can't wait to see that. Also, one of the great, great films of 2015. Perfect film. Uh, loved it. Loved it. John loved Cusack, it. Elizabeth Banks, and Paul Dano as yeah. as Brian Wilson. Paul one Giamatti. Of, yeah. Oh, Paul Giamatti, brilliant in that film. Yeah. Great, amazing movie. Um, let's see. After that, Jurassic World. I think Jurassic World really delivered. Uh, I had problems with it, like you did, but I think overall, I think it worked perfectly. Okay. As as for a summer movie, um, I, this is kind of an out of left field choice, but I want to support the movie because no one else did and I love this film that's Woody Allen's Irrational Man a Woody Allen thriller the one about the professor who wants to kill somebody that something that? like that something yeah like that? yeah the trailer has been so great to not reveal the twist so I want to be very careful about that but it is a thriller and it is about young people considering the act of murder Joaquin Phoenix Emma Stone and Parker Posey are terrific in fact I think it's probably Emma Stone's best performance honestly wow um, terrific film so good <laughs> nobody saw it but it's a great film and then uh, let's see the other summer movie that I really really loved a real surprise and I didn't get to talk to you guys about on the show that was Ant-Man Okay. I found Ant-Man to be very charming. Um, yeah. I, uh, I I hate to call him out, but uh, if it, there's one thing wrong with the movie. I think it's Corey Stoll. I found his performance to be very awkward and disengaged from the rest of the movie. It felt like he was giving a very different performance from everybody else. But uh, the three leads, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and, of course, Paul Rudd, I thought were just wonderful. Um, I don't think everything in it is absolutely perfect, but it's a film that constantly just filled me with wonder and it had these action sequences that were so playful and innovative and fun um and it's a marvel movie that is very light in its feet and fun and i thought that was really nice it
0: felt and this is going to sound weird but it felt more like a comic book movie than even the avengers did sure um and you're absolutely right that was the same that was the same i like cory stole more than everybody else at the table when we talked about it but everybody else had the same criticism cory stole kind of very stoic didn't really
1: I like him but I didn't like his performance they, at all in that movie they
0: basically said that it almost felt like he felt it was. if I could just I guess insert a phrase he felt like a petulant child in sure. the film yeah. very much and uh, he wanted to rebel and it just kind of it felt a little it felt a little immature for a guy that's so smart as he Yeah. so I, I can live with that but I still thought that Ant-Man was a great movie it is There's no doubt about it um that's five,
1: right? I
0: bottom, think so. bottom two. Worst movies of the year.
1: Or worst movies of the summer. Oh, well, summer. I'm sure they'll make my worst of the year list. Um, let's see. Well, I, for me, the biggest disappointment of the summer, so it, it kind of it lurches in that direction, was Tomorrowland. This is a movie that had probably the most beautiful teaser trailer that I've seen. It was on something. Gannon's bottom too, oh. as well. It's such a, its the trailer makes it look like such a beautiful film and I, I don't blame the trailer for not living up to the movie. It's yeah. <laughs> not the film's fault. The film itself is just, it's such a letdown. It's a series of bad choices. It starts off beautifully. It builds really well then somewhere around the second act, I don't know if it was the creepy robot kid or the really weird <laughs> out of place uh, uh, ray gun shootouts or the fact that you'd never really spend any time in Tomorrowland or the fact that <laughs> the movie had a good message but just in case the audience misses they bash you over the head over it with over like two hours. Yeah, the movie just does not work. And it's a great, great cast, great director. Everything should have connected and nothing. Brad good. Bird, Damon Lindelof is on it. George Clooney's in it. Britt uh, Brit, Brit Robertson. Britt Robertson, yeah. Yeah, Catherine Hahn's in it too. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good, great people in it. Judy Greer has a cameo in it. And yeah, I, I couldn't have been more disappointed with it. Okay, so that was your, that in your bun. What is the next film? The worst film I've seen this year so far, um, and I really hope it's the worst. I can't imagine seeing anything worse than the remake of Vacation. Um, torturous experience. Uh, it's bad as a, as a remake and or sequel to Vacation, but it's bad as a movie. The editing is off. The jokes are awkwardly structured. The movie doesn't understand that jokes need to build and that uh, you don't necessarily need to bat your audience over the head with them. It's not even just that the jokes are crude and disgusting, which they are. Mm-hmm. The film, it, it's, a, it's a poorly made movie. It doesn't work as a movie it's uh, It has all the awkwardness of Van Wilder. I mean, it's a movie that feels like it's been cut to shreds. Certain sequences go on too long. Certain sequences go on too short. Yep. Chevy Chase is barely in the movie. Like it, It's not just bad because it, it sucks. It's bad because the filmmaking sucks. And right. that's, I mean, I, I cannot defend the movie on any level. I like a lot of the people in the film, Ed Helms mm-hmm. and Christina Applegate. I've loved them and other things. And I wanted to see Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo back. And seeing the way they were used in this movie, I'm, I wish they hadn't bothered. I wish nobody had bothered. The movie is just a train wreck. Can I tell you
0: that was in one of my top five favorite films of the summer? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I was in my bottom two. It was one of the worst movies of the summer. You did see it. I did see it. You, you paused for a minute like it was really in my top five.
1: Well, I thought <laughs> all right, we got to discuss this now. Uh, if I may. Yes. Uh, your choices?
0: Jump aboard uh, on this train. I won't give you my my top five because um, I can't remember them at this time, but it was in no particular order. Ant-Man, uh, Terminator Genesis, which I loved. Wow. Uh, Mission Impossible, which I loved. Yeah. Um Mad Max was my top movie of the summer, and I don't remember what the other one was. Um San Andres? Not San Andres didn't make the cut, unfortunately, and neither did um Jurassic World. Jurassic World. I can't remember at this time. You gotta listen to the back uh the back episodes, they're there. But anyway, um my bottom two were Fantastic Four, which is horrendous, and Vacation. Um, if I may riff on Vacation really quickly. Um it it is one of the worst films of the year. It is probably one of the worst films ever made, in my opinion. Um, uh, it is it is it is crude and disgusting for no apparent reason. It's I said this on the uh, I said this on the on the pot, uh, earlier podcast about it. It's as if they took a checklist of things that you would want in a comedy and just started to check them off. Oh, mom's a whore. Got it from college. Check. Right. Oh, we've got the proverbial uh, uh you know uh, the the what like the. Uh, the proverbial uh what i like to call the dnf jokes right. um check right. you know um they're swimming in a pile of poop check it's in there it just felt like a big checklist of crap and it was horrendous i tell you what though if i had to choose something if i had to say this about the film and this is it, i will say that chris hemsworth was one of the best things about that film <laughs> <laughs> uh he's in it for the perfect amount of time he's funnier than the leads he's funny in his role and he really has a good time with it for as long as he's on screen and it's i thought he was very fun uh
1: for the five minutes he's on there yeah it seemed like they were really going somewhere with his character yes it was, it, like he had a, like his character was so different from the rest of the movie but yes. it felt like they're, they're really building something and then they leave and they just leave yeah, yeah it's yeah, like okay is he gonna be a rival for for ed Helms' character yeah. is he gonna is he gonna figure in the ending no but it yeah. feels like he's important important part of the movie and then they just cut out the rest of it
0: and if i may say so uh and i made this political statement uh on the nerd watch when i talked about this this is what happens when you have liberal parents raising kids who have no respect for you or the house that they live in or their significant or their siblings it was it, it, it borderline on it borderline on assault and
1: and murder am i right or am i wrong Well, I I don't even know if this movie deserves political analysis, but I understand what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't.
0: It doesn't deserve any analysis because it was absolutely it was disgusting and I tell you what, the only other magic I felt was when when
1: Chevy Chase was on screen and I felt that little tinge and yeah he's got this there 2 i'll tell you the two parts in the movie that made me laugh and maybe just because at this point i wanted to laugh so badly i was like my defenses were down chevy chase has a line i can't remember exactly what it is but he makes a joke he messes up bob dylan's line, yes. like his name or whatever and it's funny it's like okay they gave chevy something to do and then that's like the end of chevy's portion of the yeah, movie yeah. and then there's a i don't know i guess maybe because it just came out of nowhere and it made me laugh cause it, it's not, how random and i hope they cleared it with him but there's a moment where they're going off. They're going through a list of all the really uh, disgusting and inhibition um, uh, inhibitionless things that Christina Applegate did when she was in college. Right, and right. one of the random things that she did when she was, I think they call like Debbie Do-Anything or whatever her name right, was. Right, that was it. Debbie right, Do-Anything. Right. But uh, the, one of the things they listed uh, was that she slept with Anthony Hopkins. That right, made me laugh. Right. I thought, uh, well, <laughs> right. at least I wasn't expecting that. It's, it's kind of clever.
0: My favorite thing in the film in that movie was... When Ed Helm is about... He's at his dad's B&B. And he... I'm not spoiling anything because you don't want to watch this film. Uh, <laughs> but he goes in and he says, Dad, I'm going home. Getting get the flight out of here and I'm going home. And he said, You know, this is ridiculous. I can't t- t- take this anymore. And I'm going to paraphrase it essentially. He said, You know, it says... He said that... He said, You can't leave. Because he said, The journey has been horrible. And he said... And, and Chevy Chase turns to Ed Helm being his son and goes to Rusty. He says, Rusty... It's the journey that does suck. It makes you appreciate the destination. That was that was one of the greatest lines in the film and like it, the wisdom of Clark Griswold, you know, like what the magic that you miss from the old films was there for just like a split second. Yeah, yeah. Like when you go, you know, he says the destination isn't the destination is where you want to go. It's it's the journey that sucks. You know, the destination is what makes you appreciate the journey. That's the whole point. So he said, you have to go. So when he said that, I I literally almost teared up because I was like, man, I got the Clark that I wanted and then he's gone. Right. You know, and it's like, ah, man, you know, so suffice it to say... Worst movie of the year, without a doubt. All of the guest stars were not used appropriately with the exception of Chris Hemsworth. Um, Charlie Day, who's very funny, was unfunny, completely unfunny in this film. Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann. I don't believe she
1: was in in the movie. I mean, when is she not funny? Yeah. yeah. Can
0: I say this? Um, This is what happens when you give the guys who did the incredible Burt Wonderstone more leverage or more leeway in their films. it's those guys. It's those
1: guys. Okay.
0: John Francis Daly. These are the guys that are writing the next Spider-Man movie by the way hmm. um, so i'm now i 'm now i 'm incredibly afraid for the film uh, for sure um, but anyway don 't watch vacation. matter of fact, I equated it to an r rated version of r v and r v is bad r v is terrible it 's horrible, but I love r v because <laughs> it embraces its horribleness, sure, and yeah. I actually watched that full film several times, okay. It's an R-rated version of RV, but RV is a
1: much better movie. I'd rather watch RV. I'd rather watch RV yeah, with me too. Me too. <laughs> without a doubt,
0: without a doubt, because that's exactly
1: what it is. That's why I'm you're saying. laughing. I get what I'm saying. It, but yeah, I agree. I'd rather watch RV again and again than ever ever sit the that. That's why movie. you're wa- that's why you're laughing. Is Pitch Perfect two on your best list? It is not on my best list. I'm it, it, a little surprised. Was, I,
0: almost <laughs> eat, I almost, I almost it up there, but it was not on my list. Uh, I love that movie, by the way. Still do. I'll be owning it next week when it comes out on Blu-ray. Oh my gosh, love Pitch Perfect two, and I like Pitch Perfect one. Um, you're but, not alone. I know. Alone. I apparently am not I'm a
1: horde
0: of 14-year-old girls behind you. <laughs> I'm an acapella guy till, my, till, till I die. I love acapella music. But, listen, we talked about Spider-Man, and I wanted to get your take before we wrap up here. Yeah. Um, big announcements while you were gone uh, from the Nerd Watch. Uh, Marvel's uh, uh, movie uh, Cinematic Universe Committee, basically, uh, was, was broken up by Kevin Feige. Big news, and I wanted to actually kind of get your take on it from an insider standpoint. Um, do you think this is good? Do you think that this is... The, it came up so abruptly. Do you think that there's something going on? In, in uh, The head of Marvel was having confrontations with Kevin Feige, and now Kevin Feige and th- that crew will no longer have any, um, uh, any say in what, what's happening with the cinematic universe. And they're responsible for all of the good Marvel movies and not responsible for all the ones that sucked, uh, like Iron Man 2, uh, 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 and I believe... Um, the, the the not so great ones, okay. as it were. Uh, do you think that this is a big deal? That what you've read about you. What do you? What's your
1: take? I really like to know. Oh gosh, I mean, for me, it, it's on the one hand, it's a business decision, but I also think they know, they have a sense of what's working, and what's not working. The committee does, yes. The the I would think so, yes. I do, because on the, you know, on the one hand, they've always been really open about this. It drives me nuts, I, as I've talked about in the show, it drives me nuts that a series of movies or like a slate of movies can be talked about openly as such an open product. When they announce like the list of like, oh, we got Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in 2017, and we got Spider-Man 12 in twenty twenty <laughs> we got these long grocery lists of movies that are coming. And I'm like, right. okay, that's... That, on the one hand that's cool and all the comic book fans are ooing and on but on the other hand it's like that's not how movies are supposed to be made it's supposed to be like one project at a time you know in every film you know you, you put your guts into it you don't look at it like like a, like a product line um, and I understand Disney does I know I know <laughs> and, they, and they're trying to they're, they're trying to you know they're trying to do it like the way you know you would you if you want Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2 you have to get this issue this issue this issue for the stories to all come together mm-hmm. so it's a similar idea I get that I respect that Um but I think if anything has always worked with these movies it's always been it's always been heart it's always been the origin stories have always been very very hard to top because the Mm -hmm. origin the story of someone becoming of actualization of someone understanding that I am Ant-Man or Iron Man or the Hulk, whoever it is. Iron Man is still one of the best comic book movies ever. Ever, and it, those those stories are very, very hard to top, and whenever you do a sequel, you usually pack in way too much stuff, right. way too many characters, right. way too many bridge things. So I, I think a lot of the same problems has always existed with these films, um, and certainly with some of these properties, they've never been able to tell them properly or correctly You know, without, without even naming obvious examples, which everyone knows about Fantastic Four. Some of these movies just, just don't work. <laughs> they don't work, and sometimes they don't work because they've made changes, sometimes they don't work because they're too faithful, and sometimes they don't work because they're movies that are trying to please everybody, when all they need to do would be movies that have something interesting to say Ant-Man, for all the problems that movie had had something to say, it had a lot of heart and it was actually a really engaging movie it didn't need the mythos of, of the Marvel Universe around it you may not agree with me. For me, the one scene in Ant-Man that I could have lived without, not a bad scene, fun scene, but the scene where they brought in Anthony Mackie's character. Mm. That was the one scene I thought the movie didn't really need it. They could have cut it out of the film. I would have been okay with it. I love that scene. It's a fun scene, yeah. but the movie didn't need it. Um, and the movie didn't need the universe around it. I think that's one of the problems is when you, when you to use this term I just made up, when you productize a film mm. to death and the film basically just exist to sell action figures and abridge other movies I think is a problem. The best movies in the Marvel Universe, whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy, those movies exist because they're good, not because they need uh, to support... You know, a back catalog or front catalog of movies to be made or, or or yet to be made.
0: But in all fairness, if I could be fair to the committee that will no longer have a say, they're the ones that established the universe from the get-go. That had this plan in place before Disney came along. Number yeah. one. Number two, they are they have inputted everything until Civil War. Uh, they all the storylines and that and, and such. They are the ones that probably ousted Edgar Wright as the director of Ant Man. Um, and to their credit, I mean, to be honest, they have a vision, uh, and no director, no writer, no no one is going to take that vision away from the Marvel that Marvel committee. so it almost feels as if like it 's almost like um, it almost I almost equated to George Lucas. I give George Lucas one hundred and ten percent of whatever he wants to do with his movies is completely up to him because he made it. So these guys are the ones that have to carry the mantle for Marvel and to at least pay some respect to the universe in which it comes from and the comic books in which they come from. So I do understand where you're coming from. Um, but I think that they have the right to say, listen, this is not the direction we want it to go. And even though it, would make, it, may, hurt Marvel's, it may hurt the Marvel film, every single movie that's been successful is because of that committee. And I mean you, you can't – we can't deny that. I mean, I know that uh, – I, I know losing Edgar Wright was a big deal even for the nerds. We, we love Edgar Wright. But let's be honest. Marvel has a story to tell and they are leading this story up until 2019. Yeah. So now that they're out, <clears throat> Civil War is the last one they have input in. So we don't even – that's a very uncertain future. I mean, Disney's doing this – I mean, not to get back to – getting back to your point – this is doing the same thing with Star Wars. Yeah. They're already shooting episode eight. Right. They're shooting World
1: One already.
0: It's it's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. We don't even know what the story of Episode Seven is. We don't yet. know
1: if The Force Awakens is going to deliver. I know I a bold whole, whole thing to say. We don't. We don't. The Force Awakens could be a turkey. We don't know. We don't know. But I tell you what. We've
0: already had Force fighting with a bunch of toys coming out already for the for the Star Wars thing. We had this big thing with the BB-8 having its roller having its the rollerball robot that came out and everything. Right. So it's even more using your word, which I say you can do because you're a professor. They really did a, a product a productization of their of the brand. So, uh, you know, with Lucasfilm, it's one thing because now they can do whatever they want with it because it's, it's no longer George Lucas's to mess with. Marvel, though, it's a different story altogether. You have a conglomerate of uh, of people trying to at least adhere to some kind of loyalty to the
1: comics that came before it. Is that wrong? Do you think or? Well, I mean, for me, it's a two-way street. I think the best comic book movies have their own identity. They're faithful to the basic backbone of the origin story, but you've got directors who are strong and have their own voice in there too. I don't think it could just be a facsimile of the comic book. That's one of the reasons. Right, that, and I, they're you know, not. Yeah, yeah, and they're The not. best movies are not. They, they do they, they, do some alterations or whatever, um, but the best comic movies, you know, they reflect the original story, just like any good adaptation right. has its liberty. But they respect the origin, and that's, right. they've
0: done that in every film, I think, to be yeah. honest, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of specifically what it could have been. I mean, like, have there been any Marvel movies so far that haven't delivered?
0: Oh, no, I can tell you what it is. Um, Kevin Feige was getting ticked off at having to uh, go to the the president or the the chairman of Marvel at the time and say, um, this is what we want to do with Civil War. He was getting ticked off that they were spending so much money on Civil War. And they're saying, this is what needs to be done. Civil War is an Avengers movie without having the tag of an Avengers movie on it because there's so many heroes in it. So this movie now, officially at least for me, is, is overstuffed. More overstuffed than, uh, pray tell, Batman v Superman. It's more overstuffed than that. Yes, they have established characters, but that doesn't mean anything if you can't tell the stories.
1: That worries me. Spielberg made a comment recently. I thought it was great. Come to hear. It's going go to go the western. Where yep. the western. That is scary because he has a good point. The westerns at one point they just got too much of the same thing. They got too big and they got too uh, too similar. They, after a while, it's like how many movies with cowboys and Indians shooting each other can we sit through without them having any heart or anything distinct to distinct them? So is he? A so-, so so Spielberg may be a soothsayer. He's been – you know, if anybody in Hollywood – he claims that he doesn't have a crystal ball. But if anybody in Hollywood has a crystal ball and can really see trends that are coming and going, not to mention creating trends of his own, it's Steven Spielberg. Zack
0: Snyder even said that he may not be wrong. So that's interesting. But anyway, I just wanted to get your take on the whole Marvel thing. Um, I'm interested to see the next Marvel film after Civil War now. That's the one I'm interested in seeing.
1: It's making movies a product scares me because that's what killed New Line Cinema. Just to give a little little button on this, remember New Line put all of its ducks in a row. Lord of the Rings, it paid off. But then they tried the same thing again with the Golden Compass. It killed the studio. Yeah, it did. When you make a, when you make a movie and it's all about the product lines and the sequels coming afterwards and bridging the worlds and creating new worlds, that's great for a company, but. The movie itself has to work. Golden Compass didn't work, and then and then New Line uh, is no longer the entity that it used to be. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Professor Barry,
0: um, let's uh, let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, let's put a little button on it, like you said. Uh, what's the next film we're gonna watch? You know, I, I think Black Mass. Oh, Black Mass! I want to see Black Mass. I, I do too. I, and you know, we were contemplating whether or not that that's something that is nerd friendly. And or or in the realm of and I said and I and I have and this may be a this may be not a cool thing to say, but Whitey Bolger is kind of pop culture in a sense because oh, yeah. of uh, of his uh, because of his just. His gruesome and awfulness that of the of the guy that he was. So I think it'd be fair if we reviewed the film on the Nerd
1: Watch. Oh I yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jack Nicholson played basically played a fictionalized version of him in The Departed. Yes, this character has entered gangster lore the same way John Gotti and Charles Luciano right. and Bugsy Malone and all those guys right. you know are very much a part of you know the lore of of gangsterism. Good. All right, so we're watching Black Mass. Yeah.
0: And uh, also coming out is the Scorch trials, the Maze Runner movie
1: yeah yeah i don 't know because uh, I liked the first one a lot I a lot seen more it than yet. I thought it would, but uh, i can 't say i 'm excited about the sequel. Wow, amazing, I thought you 'd like because you were the one that were, was raving about Maze Runner. I really enjoyed the maze runner i i don 't know about this movie i i don 't know it, uh, the first one just didn 't I, I liked it so much, but the the look of the sequel just doesn 't grab me, and it looks like a very different film.
0: Oh well, that's interesting. Well, listen, if you're going to do Black Mass, let me know. I would like to come with you. Likewise, I'd like to go watch that. I'd like to go watch that with you for sure. Um, just to give you an update, um, at the end of this month, we're going to be doing a commentary. Hopefully, you can make it. Um, and I, actually, the commentary that we're going to be doing is completely up to you, by the way. Uh, if you do make it, uh, so uh, let us know. Okay. Uh, Gannon's excited. Format's excited. They're very excited uh, about it. Uh, they're very. <clears throat> By the way, something I didn't mention, okay. and I should have mentioned earlier. Here we go, uh, <laughs> Professor Barry. We normally sh- we we normally record these shows on a Tuesday night. Um, I can't believe I, I buried the lead on this, and or, or didn't even talk about it in the beginning of the show. We normally record our shows on Tuesday. We had to move the 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 show up, the pot up, and uh, to Monday because. Uh, Alika from the comic book store was not going to be there, so he wanted us to come a day early, which was completely fine. Not knowing that Professor Barry, who's been out for quite a while tending to some uh, other business, was going to show up tonight... at the comic book store ready su- to surprise everybody's pants off which would have been awesome by the way and then no one's there no one
1: I'm, I'm driving up and thinking oh this is great like I, I didn't think I had the night off then I did I'm driving home, I'm like oh I, had ha- I even had a DVD of house party like, oh, oh look at this you this is gonna be so great and I had this great I thought I, know, I was gonna surprise you and Jason with the news and just yeah and then I get there and like no 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 one's here tonight like, what what <laughs> One night I
0: can make it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, listen, Barry, I'm so glad you did come. Uh, we had this impromptu. It worked out perfectly because yeah. once again, the pod that you're never going to hear happened yesterday because of technical issues, won't be heard ever. One of the greatest shows, Nerdwatch shows of all time lost happened yesterday.: episode. It's going to be It's not just a lost episode, it is lost forever in the ether. I have about six minutes of it, and that's it. <laughs> You to uh, post it online. Yeah, right. So, like Little Taste, little taste. Of the Ark of the Covenant. That's that right. No one will ever hear. We talked about like Shattered Empire, the new comic book for Star Wars. We talked about the Star Wars game that came out for mobile, which is all canon now. We talked about what would Barry rate it. We had like all these double entendres on the show. Uh it was crazy. We had all of these crazy things on it was, it was insane. Gone, it was lost forever. gone. Absolutely gone. So, but anyway, listen, Professor Barry, I really appreciate you coming down today. It, it 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 actually was it actually worked out perfect. It was kismet. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, we certainly appreciate you being here. You guys can follow us on the Nerd Watch. Uh, Professor Barry right now has a bunch of. Um, uh, um, Looking back, reviews on there right now for After Hours and Nixon on there. And this um, weekend
1: it's going to be uh, Walter Hill's Wild Bill. Love that movie. And uh, one of my – I would call it a guilty pleasure, but I've never felt remotely guilty about my pleasure for it, and that is A Sound of Thunder.
0: I love A Sound Thank of you. Thunder. Me too. I'm like one Me of the too. only people.
1: It's such a fun movie. It's a
0: fun movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, And I have to say that I think that was – I think that that film was rightfully maligned. Yes. Um, but if you were to pull back just a little bit from the criticism, you would see a fun sci-fi movie that harkened
1: back to like um, uh, bad B films from the fifties. Yes, and rightfully so. The movie is not finished. The special no. effects are not finished. No. It is a movie that had a huge budget, and a lot of it was kind of lost, and uh, the changes in directors and changes in actors. It was shelved for years, mm-hmm. and yet the movie as it is, it's it's an adaptation a pretty good adaptation a Ray of, a Ray, of Ray Bradbury's story and it's fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to read that. That'll be,
0: a lo- that, that'll be fun for sure. Uh, you can uh, read all of Barry's reviews and all of our reviews and keep up with what's going on in Nerd on Maui uh, at facebook.com slash the Nerdwatch. You can follow us on Twitter at Nerdwatch Nation and you can even follow us on Instagram at the underscore Nerdwatch and you can also listen to us on the radio, if you live on Maui, at KAKU 88.5, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Uh, speaking of that, Professor Barry, uh, would you like to plug your show on uh, uh, Akaku?
1: Well, it's on in sporadic times, but uh, I have a show on Akaku uh, on, on the on the network. That it's, deals uh, with? Uh, it's a movie review show. It's Oof. called Maui Movie Guy, The Worst, The Best, and All the Rest. And wow. I review uh, a couple movies for the weekend. and. Let's see, the episode that's coming up will be episode five, and that's dealing with, oh, I rate uh, Straight Outta Compton, uh, Woody Allen's Irrational Man, Sean the Sheep, and The Gift. Oh, fantastic. So you can check that on at Sporadic Times on what channel? Uh, 53, 54, and 55. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm Not sure when. I'm not sure which. But I swear I'm on there. You just got to check, check your local listings. Check
0: your local listings because he's on TV. Somewhere, That's somehow, it, yeah. I'm on kaku. Yeah, he has a face for TV. I've got the face for radio. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Barry, I could not have been more surprised. I'm so happy you and I were able to do this. I got to see you more in the last... <laughs> Several days than in the well, last couple several months. months. Yeah, uh, so it's been real fun. I think the guys are going to be jealous. They're going to be mad that they're going to hear this instead of the show that they thought was going to be put of up. The greatest show in <laughs> podcast, <laughs> history, that podcast no one history. history. Absolutely. Uh, follow us on. Uh, you, like I said, follow us uh, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram. You please rate the show as well on iTunes or whatever podcast aggregate that you use. Uh, rate us. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, uh, there's more. There's more reviews uh, of the show up as well I'm still hate spewing and you know things of that nature
1: (laughs) your review of The Visit is up people should read that
0: uh, my my review of The Visit is up my review of San Andreas is up my review of uh, Avengers is up Uh, and my review of Ted 2 and Mad Max Fury Road and Mad Max Fury Road is also we've got a ton of stuff up there right now so please uh, check it out it's on MauiWatch.com you can read my reviews Professor Barry's reviews Format's reviews all at MauiWatch.com Barry it's been real. It's been fun. Uh, I hope you can make it at the end of the, the month. We're actually meeting on Tuesday, the last Tuesday of the month. Okay, stuff that um, stuff that house party uh, DVD <laughs> underneath your chair again. All right, all right, all right just in case, just, just in, case, in case. case. But we can't. I can't. I can't wait till the guys see this show, and I can't wait until they find out that you tried to surprise us.
1: Tried and, and failed. And failed. But this, this worked way. out. This worked but out. This
0: this worked out absolutely beautifully. Yeah. And once again, um, just for the record. Uh, I I personally am completely humbled to be a part of the Hawaii Film Critics Society. Thank you for bringing me oh, on to that. You. I certainly appreciate, to have you, buddy. appreciate that yeah. very much. Uh, I hope it lends a little credence to my uh, bloviating. Um, so uh, I don't even know what that word is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good word. Oh, what thank does it you. Mean? It's a uh, uh, a guy that bloviates about. Big mouth moron. That's that's oh, you know oh, just talks oh, about everything. An unkind and, word. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I, I know. I blo- everybody bloviates talk, I'm I, I'm more of a bloviator than others. I'm a big. Well, bloviator. I'm pretentious. I'll yeah. use that. Yeah, word. yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm a, I can be a pretentious d bag. That's for sure. And I get that. And I thank you for bringing me on anyway. I certainly of, do appreciate, of course,
1: it. buddy. Uh, so it.
0: thank you very very much. And I'm sure that since formats on here, he would he would uh, also uh, have the same retort as I would.
1: Well, I likewise. I am flattered and thrilled that you guys are in. So yeah, this is gonna be fun. can't wait till like, I get my first wife on criticism voting card um
0: uh i can't wait is there an official like membership card
1: i, I could write one for you oh man
0: oh, in, in ink in ink <laughs> so it'd be permanent all right yes in per- yeah with uh, a sharpie yeah, yes yeah. yeah so i'm i I'm, I'm a i'm part of the film clinic society in perpetuity right now yes oh fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it's yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i want to lower your expectations maybe <laughs> i can come up with a t-shirt how's that <laughs> Right. In a balloon. <laughs> Hawaii Film
0: Critics Society member. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, you member go. zone. All right. So next week, um, just to let you know, Barry, um, we are going next week Tuesday when we meet again. Uh, you may or may not be there, but uh, we will be covering more of what happened over the weekend because we're getting our first amazing Hawaii uh, – the amazing Hawaii Comic Con. Uh, uh, and Gannon is going. Uh, I unfortunately will not be able to make it, but I have a good friend of mine who's doing a guest correspondence down there. He's an officer of the law. Um, and he will be doing guest correspondence and his pictures and videos of everything that's happening down at the amazing uh, Hawaii Comic Con this weekend, the uh, 18th, 19th, and the 20th. Uh, it's nice. I hope, uh, I, hopefully, I hope, my hope is is that Hawaii receives it very well and, uh, you know, I think they will, considering the fact that cosplay is such a huge thing in the yes. islands anyway. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, the industry will recognize how important Hawaii is to... Uh, to comic books, to film, to games, to all of those things, I, I hope we're recognized for that, and I hope that this is just a small step in that direction.
1: Likewise. So sure.
0: uh, hopefully we'll be a, have some fun stuff to talk about next week, if you happen to be there, or you just be listening. I will Which be listening. Whichever one. I think Which I'll your, be listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But I will listen. Fantastic. <laughs> well, Barry, uh, uh, hopefully we'll see you sooner rather than later. Yep. Uh, at least if we can make it for the last Tuesday of the month, we'll do a commentary regardless. All right. Anything you'd like to add before we take off out of here? oh uh, nothing no this is fun Thank this, you this is fun we listen, did this uh, I, I'm really glad you like I said I'm really glad you came down so until next time ladies and gentlemen peace out much love and most assuredly always stay nerdy and until next time with or without Professor Barry either one is fine but it's it's always better with Barry we say to you aloha.